0: I'd say up to the age of 16, I I, I was playing at the highest level that you could for a 16-year-old in in Australia. A couple of my teammates uh, are probably well-known. Tim Cahill, Uh, I played with with him uh, in in his team for a couple of years at Sydney Olympic. Um, I I played alongside um, Lucas Neal a a few times uh, when I was younger as well.
1: This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with Fabian DiMarco, Managing Director of Commercial and Construction Capital. We'll hear how he juggles a business and his own personal investments, he'll share some life lessons from a self-proclaimed former party animal and the difference between loving the game of soccer and living it. DeMarco is a senior commercial lending specialist with over 20 years of financial services expertise honed within property development and corporate finance. He's worked for the big banks and the small ones too. He's seen the good, the not so good and the great ways of doing property finance but maybe the best part about him, he's a local boy from Sydney.
0: You can probably tell by the surname that uh, I have uh, some ethnic descent. Uh, my parents uh, were both uh, born in Italy. Uh, and migrated over to Australia uh, when they were about 13, 14 years old. Uh, so I was born and raised here in, uh, in Sydney. Um, I would describe myself as someone that is adventurous, uh, someone that likes having fun, um, but someone that can also be serious when, when they need to. I'm the Managing Director for Commercial and Construction Capital. So Commercial and Construction Capital is an expert firm in arranging non-bank uh, private finance for, for property investors and property developers.
1: As someone who's worked in a high-pressure environment for several decades, you'd think the market can handle everything that's thrown at him. You'd be right if we were just talking about finance but family, I don't think anyone has figured that out yet.
0: The best way to describe it is and, and I know the younger listeners are probably not going to have any idea what about I'm, what I'm about to say is but uh, when I was little, there used to be these little um, there were little like uh, Christmas things that were filled with water, uh, and when you shake them, uh, it had snow in it, and, and as you shake it, the snow would go everywhere, and, and it would slowly then settle down back down to the to the ground. But uh, in the when you first pick it up and you shake it, everything goes everywhere, and then as as every, as uh, the water starts to settle, everything starts to settle back into place, and that's pretty much my my day, uh, in a nutshell. Now, so I wake up in the morning. Um, We've got uh, three three young boys uh, and it's just um, non-stop from, from the second they wake up uh, to the second uh, we get them to bed. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously in between there, there's some serious stuff. Uh, I run a business. Um, I try to to keep myself active uh, by, by trying to get to the gym as well uh, in the mornings uh, at least three three or four times a week. I uh, can't say that... Uh, that always happens, uh, but uh, that's that's typically the the plan. We start off uh, with, with a little bit of exercise in the morning, get the kids off to school, then, uh, then get into to the workday. Uh, obviously, afternoons, uh, the kids come home. Uh, so there's that period between sort of three o'clock and five o'clock where both my wife and I are, are like circus juggling clowns where... We're juggling between kids and trying to take emails and take calls and still try and present uh, a very corporate and professional uh, appearance, uh, whilst we've got kids asking for uh, afternoon tea and activities and 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 all of that. So, so it's uh, it's very exciting. It's uh, it's that time of life for us. Um, but yeah, look, one thing that I've I've realised. Um, you know, you can miss a lot of life if you're constantly trying to, to always be at the next checkpoint uh, instead of sort of just appreciating where you are. Um, you know, this is the phase of life we're in right now. Uh, it's chaotic but uh, try to find a little bit of uh, beauty in the chaos if that makes sense.
1: Now, DeMarco is a father trying his best to forge a great life for his family. His own childhood was a little different.
0: For the listeners that are not from Sydney, uh, I'd say it's about 20 minutes outside of uh, Sydney CBD uh, in an area called uh, Ride. Um, So I went to school in that area as well. Um, So, yeah, I've pretty much been in Sydney my whole life, Um, you know. Toyed with the idea of uh, we've toyed with the idea of uh, possibly uh, life outside of Sydney, um, but at the moment uh, Sydney is is where we call home. The best memories I have is is sort of uh, just playing with with uh, with your cousins uh, on a weekend or after school. Um, you know whether it was we did everything we, we'd play soccer, we'd play cricket, we'd chase cicadas, uh, you know knock on the neighbours' uh, doors and and go and play in their backyard. There's a lot of things that kids don't, I think, have the opportunity to do today. Uh, the world's a very different place now than it was, uh, you know, a while back. Uh, I don't want to say how long back but <laughs> a while back. Uh, but yeah, it was it was fun. I, I have great memories of my childhood um, and, and, you know, something that I, I hope my kids look back as well uh, and, and can say they have good memories as well.
1: In the modern world we live in, great memories can look different to every new generation.
0: My little one was uh, at the TV the other day just trying to swipe and change the channel i mean he doesn't uh, at, at first we looked at him and said like what's he doing but then we thought why wouldn't he do that every single device he touches he can touch and swipe it and move it and it looks just like a giant ipad so <laughs> you know <laughs> it would make sense um but uh, that yeah that's i mean that's the future uh, obviously um you know uh, it's a balancing act you know you, you try to to sort of not expose them to too much technology um because obviously you want their their brain to develop organically but at the same token that's that's the future that's the world they're, they're growing into so you, you can't shield them from it and, and not let them be exposed to it because then they're probably going to grow up uh, a little bit behind where everyone else is so it's a bit of a balancing act uh trying to to balance uh, you know what's what's a fair and uh suitable amount of time on on devices.
1: Sport has always played a big part in the Australian way of life. For DeMarco, it really shaped how he has lived.
0: I'd say up to the age of 16, I I was playing at the highest level that you could for a 16-year-old in in Australia. Um, I I never played for the national team uh, or anything like that but um, you know, a couple of my teammates uh, are probably well-known, Tim Cahill uh, I played with with him uh, in in his team for a couple of years at Sydney Olympic. Um, I, I played alongside um, Lucas Neal a, a few times uh, when I was younger as well. So a few a few of the the Socceroos. Um, obviously, you know that's at, at a 15, 16 year old. I was sort of playing at that level. Um, but as I said that that jump from from that age group to senior football, uh, it's all mental, it's all discipline, it's all hard work uh, and if you're not willing to do that, um, then, then you don't have a chance and, and unfortunately, I was more concerned about going to nightclubs, chasing girls and uh, having fun than I was uh, about training.
1: Hindsight is a powerful tool that we are all presented with about a decade too late.
0: I had a lot of fun. I definitely can't can't deny that. I had a lot of fun uh, in my 20s. Um, obviously, you know, hindsight is, is a beautiful thing. Um, but, but, yeah, it, it's, it, it was uh, a lot of great lessons learned, to put it that way. There's no doubt, uh, you know, being a professional footballer. Sorry, when I say football, I'm referring to soccer. I just have it uh, by, by calling it football. But, um, yeah, but being a professional uh, in that sport, um, you know, you're pretty much set um if you play anywhere in europe you, you should be you know provided you invest your money wisely um, you should be financially set for the rest of your life um but you know uh, it's uh it's one of those things you know i always think if i had gone down that path whilst you know it sounds glamorous and it sounds like it would have been amazing but uh, then i look around and i think well i wouldn't have probably wouldn't have these kids i probably wouldn't have met my wife i probably you know wouldn't have learned all these lessons uh, over the last 20 30 years that i, I have now to, to draw on so uh it's, it's one of those things um you know my dad's got a good saying that he always says to me you know if uh if you look over your fence and the grass looks greener sometimes it's it's not a matter of the grass being greener it means you need to water your own grass so
1: <laughs> you know
0: so, um, so yeah, I always sort of look around what I have and um, you know, I'm quite grateful for, for what I've got. Now.
1: From footballer to financier, something had to happen in between. DeMarco says his journey wasn't as profound as some others but it did lead him to the best outcome he can think of and it's not his job.
0: I sort of... Um, you know, I, I thought, what, what's the easiest uh, job that I could get that sort of, uh, you know, fits with my personality and, and, and what I like? And, you know, when I was 18, 19, I was quite a, a sociable person. Um, I, I enjoyed music. Um, so I, I, I approached um, in Parramatta Westfields, there was a, a clothing store, like a young, hip clothing store. Um, I approached them and just said, look, if you are having any casual work, um, you know, I'd love to... You know, work for. I mean, for me, it was, uh, you know, you go into a shop, you say hello to people and, and there's music blaring. Uh, it was just, uh, you know, a fun fun thing for me to do. And I thought they're going to pay me for this too, even better, you know. So so I worked in, in, in that sort of uh, role for, I'd say, a year and a bit, two years. Um, towards uh, when I got, I was around 21, I met my wife who was working two doors up in another shop, a few doors up in, in, in another shop at the time. Um, she was, uh, going to uni, she was studying, uh, accounting, a bachelor of finance in accounting or something. But, um, I sort of, I liked her and I, I sort of got the idea. I thought, okay, if, uh, if I'm going to be with her long term, um, I probably got to think about my future and, and maybe, you know, what do I want to do with my life? Um, and, and I sort of started thinking and, you know, I had a chat with my dad, uh, who was working in finance, uh, at the time um and and naturally as as any parent would they sort of said look you know why don't you have a think about this you know I can show you a little bit about it I understand it um so I started learning a little bit about that through my dad's business uh, at the time um once I sort of thought I, I had a, a a decent amount of knowledge I, I I just applied for for a role with uh with a finance company at a, a very entry-level position um and and I did that and you Know 20, 20 odd years on, um, here I am now. Uh, I run my own finance company, and and yeah, it's uh, it's, it's been one of those you know, not to sound cliche, but sort of started at the bottom and worked my way through it. And uh, you know, along the way, I've done some study, um, you know, some some you know, entry level studies. I've done a couple of certificates uh, in finance. Um, I've you know, done my rg one four six in in securities, derivatives, managed investments. Um, so look, I've I've done a little bit of study, um, but really my you know my education has been done through through basically trial and error.
1: Coming up after the break, we dive into Demarco's personal property encounters.
0: Usually when you go to buy and any any of your listeners who buy property um, and, and I'm talking about when you're buying a property that you're most likely going to live in, you usually make a decision within the first 20 seconds of sometimes even just approaching the property. You can make a decision about whether this is going to be it or not.
1: The reasons why the words emotion and property should never be seen together. But if you're buying something for investment and, and the, the
0: purpose of that acquisition is to give you either a profit, uh, capital growth or uh, income, uh, then you have to be smart.
1: How looking for a forever
0: home changes your mindset? But the second we stepped inside and went out onto a balcony, uh, it wasn't that it had a spectacular view or anything. Uh, the view was okay but um, just something about it was so serene, uh, we fell in love.
1: And that's next. I'm Tyrone Sham and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey there, over the years I've built up a portfolio of properties and it's been great to see capital growth but the challenge I face is the passive income has been quite poor providing a net return of 3-4% per annum. I'd have to buy at least 10 properties or more to generate $100,000 per year. Now if I had the cash to buy these outright, which I didn't, then i need the help of banks and as they wouldn't lend me more, I was stuck. This is when I start looking into alternative investments where I could use my equity and cash to generate 25-30% to 30% per annum returns and fast track my passive income goal. In a short space of two years, I've been able to achieve this goal and have tripled my passive income instead. Now if you want to learn more on how I did this, SMS me your name and email address on 04-88-88-31-32. And I'll send you a free report explaining how I did it. While DeMarco learned the tools of the trade by using them on the job, he already had a natural disposition for finance, at least at the core level.
0: I like numbers. Numbers make sense to me. Um, I like money, I like making money, I like understanding how money is made Um, and I like property. So, property is something that really interests me. Um, now whether that's property investment, property development, um, so when, when sort of thinking about, you know, the idea of finance and, and, you know, when I talk finance, I'm talking about, I'm working in finance to do with financing property. So buying and selling of, of property. So, um, the, the two sort of excited me. I, 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 sort of, um, I liked that idea, um, I like numbers um what's what's crazy when I say I like numbers uh one thing that might shock uh, people is that uh, in year 11 and 12 I, I did not do mathematics uh, as a selected uh, subject but uh, back when I was in year 12 it was possible I didn't do mathematics but um look I, I don't mind admitting it because I'm, I'm actually like quite good with numbers now so <laughs> so um know, yeah, I actually um Uh, My wife will kill me for saying this, but uh, many, many, many years ago, she she was interviewing for a job and and it was one of the tests she had to do was uh, an online mathematics. It was like a quick, they quickly flash a question up and you got like five seconds to answer it. And it was one, you do it at home. I sat next to her and as the questions came up, I just gave her the answers like lightning straight away. And she scored. They came back and said, this is the highest score we've ever had on this test. (laughs) <laughs> I said not bad for someone that didn't do mathematics in your know, 11 and 12. So my day-to-day uh, role, I, I probably crunch uh, you know, four or five feasibilities uh, you know, a day sometimes.
1: Of course, playing with someone else's numbers is one thing. Putting your money where your mouth is is often where the rubber hits the road. For DeMarco, this rings true even outside the world of investment.
0: The first purchase uh, would have been uh, how long ago now? about 20 odd years ago now, almost, a um, little bit, maybe a little bit less. Um, obviously, uh, just getting married, um, we were looking to, to buy a property. Um, at that stage, we weren't sure whether we wanted to buy it as an investment or, or, or one to live in. Um, but um, it, it was, uh, I remember it was uh, quite nerve wracking. Um, you know, uh, we found one that we we fell in love with um which uh as as anyone knows is is puts you in a very difficult position when it comes time to try and negotiate price um you know we it was one of those properties where it was a it was a two-bedroom apartment in uh in Hunter's Hill. um at first when when you looked at it we thought look it looks nice but i don't think uh it will be the one you know usually when you go to buy and any any of your listeners who buy property um and, and I'm talking about when you're buying a property that you're most likely going to live in. You usually make a decision within the first twenty seconds of. Sometimes even just approaching the property, you can make a decision about whether this is going to be it or not. Um, not always, but you know, nine times out of ten, you know, you can approach a property and straight away, I don't like this street. I don't like the driveway. I don't like this. And, and you're this one was was a bit weird. Um approaching it, we we said uh no, I don't think so. It's uh it looks like it's uh the road looks a bit too busy in this and that. But the second we stepped inside and went out onto a balcony, uh it wasn't that it had a spectacular view or anything. Uh the view was okay, but um just something about it was so serene. Uh, we fell in love. Um and immediately we asked for a contract of sale and um, and just started the negotiating process. Um, so it was um, it was very exciting. Um, the most exciting feeling we had was, uh, I suppose, when they accepted our offer. We went to the offices and um, and signed the contract. Uh, and that excitement was swiftly followed by sheer terror once we settled and got the keys and went to visit the property and realised just how bad a condition it was internally. So- we didn't we didn't uh you know when you go to look at a property you know you don't check little things like windows do the windows open properly are they jammed how do the doors open uh, are the are the doors rusted or What's this, uh, you know, um, storage area like? Um, you know, so just little things you don't check into. What, what's the condition of the carpets? You know, or underneath the couch, we didn't realize underneath the couch the carpets were in poor condition, and so we quickly realized uh, a lot of the savings we had uh, set aside were going to be used to bring in the apartment back up to a <laughs> to a good um, to a good uh, standard uh, for us to live in. Um, but it was exciting
1: buying property to invest in was a bit of a shock to Demakco system it's more transactional theoretical and sometimes even downright taxing in more ways than one
0: we later bought uh, another uh, villa which uh, in Putney um, which was uh, a, a similar experience um, we we didn't particularly fall in love with it, but we we fell in love with what we could do with this uh, place. So this was something we bought and thought we could completely strip down to to the bricks uh, and rebuild the inside. Um, Look, both properties, I'd say uh, if you were to look at them as investments, as uh, let's say you were buying to renovate and flip, uh, I'd say we would have done well on both of them. but the, it's 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 quite, uh, I don't know if uh, a lot of your listeners, I'm sure, have been involved in property renovations and, and, and flipping and selling. Um, yeah. It can be a, a pretty draining experience uh, trying to coordinate things and uh, all of a sudden uh, a quote has gone from, you know, 2000 to 3500 because of something unexpected and uh, all of a sudden, you know, you're getting carried away with picking expensive properties. Uh, tiles for the kitchen and the backdrop and the, you know, so it, it, the budgets can blow out, uh, costs can go up, um, but uh, overall I think it was uh, enjoyable experiences, uh, we, we really liked it. Uh, financially, I'd say the second property was uh, was more of a break-even uh, transaction. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it's it's uh, fully enjoyable. It's always something, you know, you, you're thinking about when whenever you're, I mean, when you're young and you're buying a property to live in, uh, it's not most of the time in today's day and age doesn't end up being a house or the property you stay in forever because naturally family grows and you need more space. So, um, so they're always sort of bought with a, a view to become an investment. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, it's, it's easy to get carried away when you, when you start uh, renovating and, and dressing it up um, and you sometimes got to remind yourself, look, we're not going to be here forever so I don't need the, you know, the $10,000 bench top.
1: It's this scenario where feelings and property became involved that DeMarco says can be so damaging. Not because he's heard about it, but because he sees it every day.
0: I have to say, um, you know, the properties we've invested in, we, we've also invested in uh, a commercial office uh, in the city before, um, which was um, probably out of the three three investments, uh, I'd say was probably by far the best one. Um, so, look, um i wish i could say we've had a really bad uh experience uh on on property investing but look i've seen some some horror stories um and uh, look i'd say the 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 one thing that i would probably be wary of most uh if i was investing in property is is not to overcapitalize in the beginning um if if you're buying a property for investment purposes um you know, it has to. You know, the only the only property purchase where I would go all out and, and not be worried too much about it is is obviously a property that that's going to be your forever home. You know, because in that instance, you're going to enjoy it, you're going to be there. But if you're buying something for investment and and the the purpose of that acquisition is to give you either a profit, uh, capital growth, or uh, income, uh, then you have to be smart. Um, so so I, I've I've seen. You know, in the property development space, um, you know, a lot of developers get it wrong because they maybe pay too much for their site, way too much, because um, they get caught up at an auction and, you know, there's two or three people bidding and they all want the site. And it goes from where their feasibility told them that this site should be worth no more than 1.2 million, they ended up paying 1.6 million. So, all of a sudden, yeah, to, to get a profit out of this project, they have to sell the property for a ridiculous amount, that's never going to happen and, and yeah, that's, that's where you can get caught. So, you know, I, I would probably recommend um, people to really take a close look on how much they spend in the beginning um, because that, that could ultimately affect how much profit you end up making on a property uh, purchase. The amount of clients sometimes that um, I come across that sign contracts of sale and then go and try and organise finance after uh, is is just mind-boggling. Um, now, I don't know if I see more of it because I specialise in that private space and, and most people that end up in that situation tend to end up in a, a non-bank private lending uh, option. But, um, you know, I, I would highly recommend people at least engage with uh, a financier or a broker to at least understand what their options are uh, before they sign a contract of sale. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I've seen some, some clients that put themselves in a position where they, they may be buying a commercial property or a development site and they've signed a contract of sale, they've got a settlement date now that's looming Um, they've gone to their bank who they thought was going to, to do it. And the banks turned around and said, no, and now they've got two weeks to, to find a a finance solution or they lose their deposit. Um, so when, when you put yourself in that position, um, you know, you open yourself up to, to predatory lenders, um, because you can't hide your situation. Uh, it's there to see uh, and and this uh, if you don't if you're not careful you get lenders out there who will take advantage of that and you know charge you astronomical rates and fees so I guess uh, this sort of comes back to to investors and, and and anyone who's looking at property to sort of have uh, I suppose a bit of a a clean process uh, a strategic process that you follow when when you're buying property or 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 investing um you know you need to to sort of you know have a set criteria of of things that you do Um, you know it's kind of like a pilot they don't let him take off or let her take off a plane off the ground uh unless all of the checks have been done by the the engineers before the plane uh, is is cleared for takeoff um they don't let him just take off and say, okay, we'll just check it when we land or halfway up in the air. <laughs> it doesn't happen, you know. So I guess, you know, when people are playing with their money, um, you know, uh, money is not the most important thing in the world, but it's up there with oxygen. Like it's 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 pretty important. You can't survive without it. Um, so the thought of people being just careless with it and, you know, buying property and that and not thinking about you know the risk involved and and how they can mitigate that risk um it's crazy sometimes you know
1: Baby and DeMarco's story continues in the next episode of Property Investory. He'll tell us the most common qualities of successful property projects.
0: The developers I see around me that are the most successful are the ones that prioritize working with trustworthy and reliable people.
1: An approach to measuring success that makes life seem a lot simpler.
0: I'd say probably about six months ago, uh, I had this moment uh, where universe sort of tapped me on the shoulder and, and, and sort of said, here you go. <laughs> Here's a little bit of wisdom that you you would desperate need of.
1: The ins and outs of the modern money marketplace. If you tick that criteria, you
0: now have a, a myriad of uh, possibilities on on how to source financing and supply and demand, because there are so many of them out there.
1: And that's next time on Property Investor. If you love the show and you're a wholesale investor wanting to learn more about how I got started in alternative investments where I've been able to use my equity and cash to generate 25-30% to 30% per annum returns to fast track my passive income goal, then SMS me your name and email address on 4 88 88 31 3132 to register your interest. Now, in a short space of two years, I've been able to achieve my goal and have tripled my passive income. To find out how, SMS me your name and email address on 04 88 88 31 32.